You have a um, a book. I do. It's um, three hundred and forty <laughs> four four pages. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I guess so. I'm not positive on that. My it's funny. Three forty one. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's funny, Sarah. The other day, I was going to uh, we were doing like the Valentine's Day thing, you know, and we're not big on like Valentine's anniversary. It's like like you know, I love you, babe. You know, you get it, but. I was uh, I went to get her a Valentine's card at the grocery store. I was with Rourke, and I went to ring up a thing of bananas and two Valentine's cards, and it was going to be twenty three dollars. And I was like, "What?" The the cards were like eight bucks a pop, so I decided not to do that. And she was like, "Hey, babe, I have your Valentine's card," and I was like, "Yeah, I didn't get you one." So they were like eight bucks, and she was kind of kidding around. And I was like, "Hey." I wrote you a 344-page Valentine, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. You should have well gotten bananas. Yes. Well played. Yeah. <clears throat> Haley told me this year as well, Valentine's Day approach, that was really, really nice what you wrote to me last year. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why I didn't change it. I don't even remember what I wrote. Yeah, I wouldn't spend $8 on a card either. No, no. Um, not because I think of myself as cheap, but I just think, I don't do flowers either. I would buy someone a plant. Yeah. Really? Yeah, but I don't do cut Plants. flowers. My husband buys me orchids every year, and every year I kill them. Yeah. But at least it not on purpose. At least it has the potential to be alive. Yeah. It's correct. Yes. <laughs> Was alive at one point. Yeah. The cut yeah. flowers just seem like a waste to me. Why? Yeah. It's a nice gesture. Yeah. My wife digs the flower thing, and so does Mila, my daughter. So, like, a couple years, two years ago, a year ago, last year, a uh, little boy at her preschool gave her like a dandelion. I could tell she kind of dug it. <laughs> And I was Aww. like, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, Dad is going to knock your socks off. You get ready. And he just, she was like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, you get ready. And I got her a big bouquet, and she just, oh. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I crushed that little guy. He's going to step in here. Are you kidding me? And, uh, it's a nice gesture. Is that what you said? I think so. It's a waste. Get, a, get something that's in dirt. I'm sure there's plenty of things that you do throughout the day that are a waste that you do repeatedly on a daily basis. Touche. <laughs> All of us do. Matt's already, Matt's already spoken more in this show than he has the last three shows combined. That workout made me salty. I'm in a bad mood now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the double-enders. Oh, Eric Maciel, um, engineering the show. Um, Master engineer. Matt Bischel sitting in the schoolboy seat because Andrea Cecil refused to take it. I'm sorry, but I, my argument is that I'm the biggest person in the room, so it's I feel true. like I need a yeah. statement. I, I can't. Shouldn't. I can't argue against that. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very big. Uh, I wish I was bigger. Matt Bischel runs CrossFit HQ social media. Um, Chris Spieler is here, author of the new book. No, that's my book. What author, could the name of it be? Author hmm. of the new book, Spiel, a David and Goliath story, <laughs> with a huge amount of help from Andrea. And Andrea Cecil here is here, the head writer for the CrossFit Journal, and the what do you call yourself on this book? I don't, we never. I don't know. What do I call myself? As, yeah, I would You're say away, like you are the ultimate editor. I don't. Is it a co-author? I don't know. I feel like I wrote it, and then you took it and made it sound like I was good at writing, <laughs> right? <laughs> And then you would ask me questions and be like, hey, elaborate on this and let me know more about that. Right? Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I think that's Chris kinda... definitely wrote it. Roy was giving me a hard time one time and he was like, did Chris really write it? And I was like, yes, he really wrote it. But then, uh, yeah, wow. but everything would go back to yes. Andrea and she would make it, you know, grammar more... specific. You guys can tell. And ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Kind of stuff. like Which is good, though. Yeah. 
Because I think as someone that's in it, you kind of forget what people yeah. might want to know. Right. So it's good to have outsider perspective. Yeah. I was able to add some details for events that I was at where I had a different perspective oh, than, yes. than he did, like 2012 Southwest Regional. Were you ever he was... like, hey, don't you shouldn't say that about your wife? <laughs> no, I don't think so. There was nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that... there was nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, we were good. Yeah. <laughs> Couple, couple, a couple house cleaning things before we get into this 341 yeah. pages. I have, by the way, more notes than I've ever taken on any guest here. Let me ask you this: Did yeah. you actually read the whole I'm thing? I did. I am floored. And I paged the, and I paged the, I paged all the, you know what I mean? Like it says page three. You read it pretty quick oh, too. Wow. Well, I was up all night last night. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to come out on Audible. I know. I'm an audiobook guy. I, I get it. Me too. My yeah, wife walked but... by me last night and she goes, I can't believe you're reading and not listening to it on blah, blah, blah. I just gave her the finger. Like, I'll <laughs> tell you why I'm not because it's not available there yet. Um, a little house cleaning here. Um, we have a video contest. We have three video contests. Oh. First prize for all of them is $10,000, meaning we're giving away $30,000. I'd actually make one video and enter it in all three. One yeah. of the contests is you can't? They can't do that. Why not? Because they're, they're country specific. I know, but you could make one. There's a Brazil one, there's a Mexico one, and that could be on any topic that comes out of an affiliate. And then there's a worldwide video contest that's about um, people with type 2 diabetes in the affiliate, like stories of people yeah, yeah. who have type 2 diabetes who do CrossFit. And what if you were in Brazil and you did a – oh, you couldn't answer. You could, I think you could get two potentially. Two, yeah. Yeah, two. Do a story of someone who has type 2 diabetes in an affiliate in Brazil. You clean up, make 20 grand. It's great. There you go. I can't do that because I don't have an affiliate – in Brazil with someone doing CrossFit with type 2 diabetes. Right, right. <laughs> but You're, somebody does. does. Yes. Um, I wanted to do a quick um, – I, I, was, I was watching the update show because the opens um, starting and the update show is like fired up and just like ready to go, go, go. And I watched the first one and it's uh, Sean Woodland and I think Tommy Marquez talking about how the regionals are split up this year. Have you guys seen that show? I no. didn't see that one. Yeah. I think I saw a highlight of it. Though. Holy shit. Like, it's not, you, you need paper and pencil to understand. Mm -hmm. Like, so I was thinking, like, we should come up with our own manual of how the regionals work. Mm. <laughs> kind of like a how to? Yeah. Like, do you want to see Josh Bridges with his shirt off? Go to the West Regional. <laughs> <laughs> like you know a way to hack the regionals? Yeah, right. just like. A dummy's guide to like that's the how, CrossFit regional events? Uh, do you want to see Josh Bridges celebrate? Go to the California Regional. You know what I mean? Do you want to see Dan Bailey implode and, and shed a tear? Go to oh, the show. come on, Dan. Brutal. Oh, what? Dude, what? You made so much what? progress getting yeah. good graces with Dan. What? You just what? pissed it all away. Um, do you want to see... Um, uh, do you want to see um, Camille um, take first place before she pulls out of the CrossFit Games? Ooh. You know what I mean? Brutal. What? These hitting, are, brutal. These are, these are hitting stride right now. Are, brutal. You, you never pulled out of the CrossFit Games. I didn't. And when you read your book, man, it, it's like um, at a 140, 150 pounds when you have 225 pounds that you're basically carrying around all day, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy you never pulled out. I guess so. Right? I don't know. I never got like you never got really injured, hurt. but it's a beatdown. Well, yeah. Yeah, you got to prepare I, for that. I feel like back then, I can't say that term, but for lack of a better term, back then, wasn't really in the mentality. 
Have any men pulled right. out? Uh-oh. I don't want to get any sexist things. This is just a question. Uh, Have no, you, well, well Nico, Nico popped his eardrum in 2011. Yeah. Rob Orlando. Yeah, Rob Orlando. Okay. I mean, so, like, stuff's happened for okay. sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think most, by by far, any athlete at the CrossFit Games, like, they don't want to pull out. You know, I think anybody that that's happened probably has a little bit longer-term vision, and they're thinking, okay, you know, like, it, you know, if I do this now... I might not be able to come back next year, but if I actually am smart about it, I could make another run next year. So I would argue that <clears throat> most most of the people that are pulling out, it's probably because they have a good head on their shoulders and they're looking longer term. Like like Carl Webb, Andy Thor's daughter. I think so. I think yeah. Aunt, has Andy pulled out twice. I don't know. I think mm -hmm. she has. At, at the games or mid-season? At the games. There's a difference, I think, between like I pulling out of the games because of an injury or just like quitting because it's hard. I don't think I don't I've don't ever think seen anyone ever pull, that. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen anyone do that. I, yeah. in, in all seriousness, I think Camille and Annie and Carl were, had significant injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, uh, Dr. Rocket was here. And he said it's now. It's, it's something that they had like, it's a big responsibility. You know, can you let this person go back onto the playing field knowing that they could potentially injure themselves? Like there's more at play than just like whether or not you want to go out and compete anymore. There's more there. Why do you have a? Why did you write a book? It's funny. I was expecting that question. I almost forget. Like it. It was so long. I remember after the 2014 games, like thinking. If I and correct me if I'm wrong, Andrea, but I remember thinking about it and approaching you. Because I was like, I, I wanted to, and I don't even remember why I wanted to, to be honest. I, 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 right now when I look at it, I'm really glad that I did for a couple of reasons. One, I think um, that uh, CrossFit's grown a ton. And I think it's a really cool historical account of where it's come from, at least from my lens. Um, and then two my kids are young enough that they'll barely remember maybe being at the CrossFit Games this past year, which is a very, very different experience than, than the individual. Um, so to give them an account of dad and what he did, I think is really cool. You know, so those, those things are, uh, yeah, when I look at it now, and yeah, it's just cool to give the CrossFit community a glimpse into it's essentially like a written version of behind the scenes mixed in with a lot of answering the questions of hey Chris how like why do you do what you do and you know how did you get so mentally tough and I try to answer that question just through like my story yeah but I yeah I think I, I remember so if you like, did I was calling you and being like hey I'm interested in writing a book which... you had actually someone I don't know if a writer another writer approached you or you, asked, yes. you were asking about a different writer that's yes yeah. that is yes yeah, who uh, freelance for us they will remain nameless yes I um, do remember that now and yeah. I asked a couple of the girls in here and then I asked Mike about him um, maybe that's how I got started. and long story short I said I it was funny actually I said I can help you if you want. And I think he meant he interpreted that at first as like I can help you find someone, <laughs> and then after that I was like, no, what I mean is I can help you write the book. Yeah, oh, that's better. And then uh, so someone approached you and they yeah. said, hey, I think so. Now it's kind of coming back. You need a book. I think they offered to help co-write it with me. And then you're like, because hmm, I was, I think at the time, you know, Rich had written one. I don't know if anybody else had because this was 2014, oh, like right after the games. So yeah. if no one bought the book. 
you'd be fine because it's still something that Rourke and Mila could see. Yeah, I mean, it's a really expensive way to give them an account. <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, but, but it's cool. Um, I mean, I'm down with that. I'm, but I'm it's, cool. I but get yeah, that. I, I, get that. I would have no, no regrets at all. And two, when I – because it took us three years to write, once we got – the final copy and I reread it to make sure that everything was good to go. I thought, Oh my gosh, like I did all this stuff and these were all experiences. So if ever I start to forget, I can just crack open my book. And <laughs> yeah, how did read. you remember all the stuff in here? There's some details. In yeah. here that I'm like, man, he must've gone back and watched my behind the scenes. It was a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it was Andrea. And that's yeah. like, what was helpful is her saying, well, Hey, you know, either some of the accounts that she remembered from articles that she wrote or, um, even just starting those conversations would drum up a lot of memories, which was really helpful. You didn't go back and watch the nine-hour version of the behind-the-scenes 2009 before you wrote this? I did not. Holy shit. I thought that was a slam dunk. Exact account. <laughs> Who took this photo? Oh, my gosh. That photo came from somewhere, I think, here in HQ. I had that in my file. I had that in a file somewhere. That's from the 2010 CrossFit Games. Don't you have to get this like cleared or something? Yeah, I, was I, say, I thought it was like your pers- I thought it was like a was personal, personal photo. I had that in my file. That's a, that's a good route to take. Look no. how big that rope looks in your hand. <laughs> I forget. I that was honestly one of the hardest parts about this was exactly what you're talking about. Was finding a picture we wanted to use that we had the rights to. And I remember yeah. like we went through probably two or three iterations that we were like, okay, we think this is it, but then we I found didn't one. know if it was the and yeah. I couldn't find out who actually took the picture and right. when it was. So Yeah. Yeah, but that yeah, that, I my wife took that picture. I don't I don't. Oh, know. good answer. No, yeah, I don't, you don't see that? Come yeah, back that's with? that's all. That's yeah, all you have to see say. That? Yeah, yeah. Fam- family got it out. Got it out of the photo album. Three the minutes thing... of floundering, and my <laughs> wife took it. The yeah, thing... There you go. The, so the one is we had to find a high a photo that was high resolution enough, and then second we had to have the rights to it. So the first picture, yeah. the first picture we approved actually was just of Chris, like kind of like waist up, I think, just sitting yeah. there with his arms crossed, which was fine, but we couldn't find the original photographer. It was high res enough, but we couldn't track them down. Yeah. And so um, next round was, I think, Reebok offered picture? some photos. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, oh, is that it? Hey, look at that. Is that hey. on the Rogue site? Where is that? I don't know. Where is it? Canmore? Well, I didn't get it from them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Good that's luck the, explaining that. Good, hey, good luck explaining that in court. <laughs> look, Chris. Hey, Chris Mason. <laughs> that's a name for your past, man. Oh, they got you confused with Chris Bueller? No, this I worked with this guy Chris Mason. He was uh, he used to write some articles for the Journal, and he's like a West Side Barbell guy. He actually very he's in the book. There's I think maybe, but like briefly he's a he was like a really big yeah. part of that. Oh, like, I remember him. Page one hundred and thirty-two. Weight gaining phase, and there you go. Yeah, I remember that too. So, yeah. I learned more in two days than I could have imagined. Level one. Chris Bueller says that on page 43. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Golden State Highway Patrol. Yeah. In Golden, Colorado. Why did you take your L1? Talk to me like you're talking to Pat Vellner because he hasn't taken it. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know Pat Vellner very well. But um, so I took it when I was, uh, I mean, you read the book, right? So I was like floundering, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and one of my buddies just straight up called me out and he uh, he asked me what I would want to do. And I said, you know, I'd want to do this stuff called Young Life and open a CrossFit affiliate. And he flat out was like, why don't you? 
And I was sitting at the kitchen table and I had no reason why. I had no reason to answer him why I couldn't do it. So I got a credit card with a $5,000 limit mm. and I didn't have to pay on it for a year. And I bought a plane ticket. Yeah, what like credit gold. card was that? I That's was a Citibank. <laughs> so if you guys are looking to get yourself in some trouble, probably a real high percentage if you don't pay it back. Um, but yeah, so I got it and... Uh, I yeah, I bought a plane ticket and I bought my level one and I and I flew out there. I mean, it was like, it was it was just what I wanted to do. I mean, at that point in my life, I had been doing the ski bum thing for four and a half years or so, and the writing's on the wall. If you guys have never been to like a a ski town or I don't know, I bet Santa Cruz is kind of like that, right? Mm -hmm. Where you get like guys that would just want to surf and, and they work bike. at this yeah surf and mountain bike and they work in the shop which is awesome but then you see the guy and this is okay but then you see the guy that's 55 that's still in the shop and some of those guys are happy and they love it because it's the life they want to live and some of those guys are miserable and i saw those guys at um the shop that i worked at and it scared me i thought i don't want to be like that you want to take a shot at your dream yeah, and I didn't. I mean, then you didn't even know the CrossFit Games didn't even exist when I got my level one. I just remember thinking like this, like this is it. And even when I was in college, because I wrestled in college, and I, I remember like I relied much more on like work ethic and engine than I did on technique. And I remember even thinking in college like if there was just a sport where I could like outwork someone. I would do really well. <laughs> and look at that. There, there, and if someone is a aspiring wrestler, if nothing else, you should read this book. There's some, I will get my kid into wrestling and I will have him read this book. If nothing else, I mean, yeah. there are some great wrestling stories in there. Yeah, really and good ones. And it's interesting that you say outwork because there is that match you had, I think it was in Pennsylvania against Penn State. Yeah. And the guy was beating you 5-2. Yeah. And then you started seeing he was tired and then you're like, Game on. I'm just a Russian kid that's supposed to win. And yeah. Yeah, he had a Russian name. That's a scary yeah. name. Marat, <laughs> Marat Tomiev. He looked Russian too. Let me ask was. you this. This is a total digression. <laughs> I had no plan on asking you this. In that section, you're, I don't know how wrestling works, but it's like you're going into the third round and you have a chance to speak to your coach before you go in. Yeah. So at the end of each period, there's three periods at the end. There's generally about like a 30 second break before you go back out. Okay. Oh, yeah. And he tells you, um, Whoa. Don't shoot in until I tell you. Yeah. And, I, and this as is I'm a guy that's that, like I'm thinking to myself, third in the world. And you, it, what ends up happening is you don't listen to him, but you end up just, I get, sounds like from the book, getting in the flow and, and winning the match on your own accord. But were you really thinking that you were going to listen to his cue? Like if he just would have said, shoot, Chris, you would have just done it? Yeah, because he was got third in the world. I mean, the guy was, his name's Kerry Colot. For those of you guys that, our wrestlers and he got inducted in the hall of fame he's i mean hands down one of the best wrestlers in the world so when you're a college kid you listen to a guy like that except i didn't for some reason i don't know why I got it doesn't sound like you gave him a chance to say it, it sounds no. like you finished you won before he had a chance yeah to i got a bit it. anxious and uh, honestly the guy uh told me of he took a shot on me which i had to defend and then finish so that's part of the reason probably why i didn't take a shot yeah and, and there's a lot of ups and downs in the book. The book isn't just about Chris Spieler just kicking ass and taking names. There's which, Yeah, which is the point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I was thinking about this today, too. Like, that every... And I think about this with, like, work now and all this stuff that... 
I was talking with Sherwood on the phone the other day, just like, you know, life stuff. And it's like everything that I've ever set out for, every major goal in my life that I've ever set out for, I've fallen short of. Never have I reached like one of those big goals. Never. How about being a good Christian? I mean, that's a work in progress, brother. I don't, yeah. What about being a great father? Oh, yeah. I feel like if anybody else is a, a dad, I think that every day they're at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have done that better today. Well, maybe if you'd gotten the Valentine's Day card, could be a great know, husband. Right? Did any part of you regret not getting the card? No, none. No. Zero. Because I'm confident that my wife loves me regardless of a Valentine's card. Um, it's not the love I was thinking of is like, I really enjoy giving my wife things. Mm. And like when I do do that, when I'm like, that's too expensive. I'm not getting that. It's a waste. I was, then when I'm like, Oh, it would have been so nice to give that to her right now. I don't, yeah, I don't feel that way with like no. the card thing more. Like if I get, get her flowers or, you know, if I like Christmas time, like you kind of think it out her birthday, it's mm. a little bit more well thought out, more planned. That's when I enjoy giving more than just like a card that you can want like a card. I don't know. They never say what you want them to say. And even if they say nice you stuff, you just cross like, that shit out that. and write your own stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, baby, I love you and your Lululemons. You want to go, go lift tomorrow? <laughs> That's probably not what mine would say, but hey, you know. That's what mine would say. <laughs> Hashtag, you're a good mom. I love your oatmeal. It's awesome. Did she get you anything? She's always getting me shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this morning, I was shaving and a cup of coffee just landed next to me. I was like, I'm oh, just like, that. holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And she says, do you want cream? And I'm like, no, it's perfect. I don't even, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't send this back. <laughs> um, We've been, it, it, it's weird. It's weird. I, I keep thinking that the parade's going to end. We've been just parading like hardcore Christians through here. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have been on a roll, huh? <laughs> holy fuck. Are you trying to say something about, Same about us three? Matthew Bickle, yeah, dude, we had Dan Ma Bailey, Hoff, Hoff, yeah. Paul Farmiga. I I love Aaron Hoff. Yeah, he's that, a, he's he incredible. Is one of the most genuine human beings you will ever meet. Unapologetic. He's a good dude. He he stole Christmas. Yeah. He when he was hey, sitting yeah. when he was sitting here during the show, I was right here and he was here, and he was like, he's substantially larger humongous. than you, but he kept like. He had his hand like, on his leg, and I just couldn't uh, stop looking at how big his hands were. Yeah, I don't. Like I went and sized him later, words, and it was like, it was like a full hand bigger. His than His head, and he'll kill me because <laughs> we always make fun of his, his how gigantic huge. his dome is. <laughs> we were gonna invent something, and no, we we trademarked this. So anybody that's thinking about it, hold off. But we're gonna do the extendo snap because his snapback. <laughs> we're gonna do like an extender. You know, like extendo snap, so you guys with gigantic pumpkin heads, you don't have to worry about. Oh yeah, he does kind of tilt it up and back. Yeah. So my son, <laughs> my son now, because he loves Aaron, and Aaron's just so good with kids, is he'll he'll be like, hey dad, I, like when, now he associates like how big he is with his snapback. He's like, hey dad, I'm at like two, or dad, I'm at four. <laughs> Uncle Aaron's at one. <laughs> Hanging out by a thread, look, still yeah, like barely. pinching his skull. Yeah, look, look at that mug he's head's got gonna too. Pop. Cutting, he's cutting off blood flow to his oh, head. I know. <laughs> um, we had we had, Dan, we had Dan Bailey in here. I, so, yeah. and, and the reason why I bring this up with you is, yeah. I, I kept the book is really a small section of your life. 
that part of it? Uh, no, no, not not the not the Christian part is a small part, but uh, although it is it is a small part of the book, it's it's not like this um, overriding theme. overriding yeah. theme. But like, I wanted to know how, like, when I I was looking in the book for how how did you become uh, how did you become Christian? How did you yeah. like? Well, it's interesting, yeah. Like, like, and, and there's no sign of that in the book. Like, I was like, w w you know, they called it, um, Sam Dancer was in here, he called it a Jesus punch. Yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm yeah. Like, Andre and I actually talked about that because that's something that's like a massive part of my life. But um, I didn't want that to be like a pushy thing. And it was really helpful to get her feedback as I would write on having it be kind of like an undertone of the book, but not overriding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in a in a house where like we went to church, not a ton. I guess you could say I grew up in a Christian household, but really for me, like defining moments, I, I did some stuff with a organization called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Believe it or not, I went to a golf camp. Um, Sounds and, incredible. Yeah, it was actually pretty amazing. <laughs> went down to Florida, it was warm. As he strokes his golf club. Like golf is great. Yeah, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Um, so I did that, but the biggest defining moment was young life. I was like a high school kid, and my dad would always tell me stories about how he went uh, and worked at Young Life Camp, but we didn't have it at my high school. So um, I found, my dad found a host high school close by that they were going to camp in the summer. And I jumped on a bus, two buses with 60 kids, and I didn't know a single soul. And I went up to Saranac in upstate New York and experienced just uh, people that were like genuine awesome people that were on fire for life and on fire for God and not, uh, not, I think as you grow up, like the typical religious stick in the mud, it was far, far from that. They just let kids be where they were. You know, they have like a smoke pit. Was there a defining awesome. moment at that camp that it clicked? Yeah, there was I was, yeah, I was sitting at, um, so what they, the way they kind of do a young life camp is they, um, you know, each night, they have this thing called club and it's this awesome time. We just like do all, it's just crazy. It's fun. Just letting kids be kids. But at, eventually it comes down to this point where one of the speakers has kind of these talks laid out through the course of the five or six days. And, um, one of them, they talk about, you know, the cross and they talk about what that means. And then they talk about what Christ has done for us. And, um, then they give kids time to go out and just, 15 minutes to like, Hey, just go out and it's at night and you're at these awesome camps. And this was on, um, a lake in, uh, upstate New York, Lake Saranac. And, um, I remember going down to a dock and just sitting on this dock and my legs were hanging off the side and like my feet hitting the water. And I just remember like having this moment of clarity where really understanding how much of a screw up I am and really understanding what Christ has done for me and for us. And the fact that it's grace, it's so opposite. It's so opposite from every other perception and every other religion out there that, um, it was profound, man. And I remember sitting there and just being like, Holy crap, just like feeling God's presence and knowing in that moment for me, like this is real. Like he wants to have a relationship with me, and I'm, I'm in. How old are you? Uh, fifteen. And, um, has that moment ever happened again? I've, Between now, and definitely in the course of me 
following Christ have definitely experienced times where I've felt much closer to God, much further away, felt his presence not. Um, and I think that's really normal. I think, you know, for some people, um, yeah, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not all like lollipops and candy canes all the time. In the story, in the book, where you mentioned um, when you first time you met Andrea Cecil. Yeah. And you mentioned that you liked her style and um, you felt comfortable. And bear with me here. Feel free to correct me if I'm not, if, I, if yeah. I'm misquoting you. You talk about basically how sometimes interviews become, you didn't say too personal, but somehow you implied that um, there was something about um, interviews that you didn't like that became too personal. Am I understanding that correctly? Like you didn't like to. Uh, yeah, I think not so. referring to her, yeah. but just referring to interviews in general. Yeah, I think so. So when when you're in that um, that position, and you have people asking you questions, and they're going to write a story or an article on you. You want it to be represented well, and you want it to have the tone that that you speak with, and you want it to be who you are. And there were Andrea and Heber are the two people that I've worked with that I never had a concern about what the finished product would be. It and would I, represent you accurately. Yeah, and I think like the tone of the way that they wrote the article, not just the quotes, right? Like Because when you're being interviewed, you have to realize what I'm saying could be written down and used as a quote. But it was more like the flow and the way she would write and how she would structure it. I was always comfortable with whatever the finished product would be. Okay, so I, maybe I misunderstood what was in the book. So it's not that, and I'm going to circle back around to the story you just told. Yeah. Um, about 15 years old being at camp. So it's not that you don't like to share personal stories or that no. you're guarded of your life. Okay. When you tell this story of your experience at the camp at age 15, are you, um, do you, do you like to tell that story? Do you feel like ever like, Oh my God, I don't want to tell that story. Every time I tell it, I lose a little piece of it. Or is it like, Hey, I need to tell this story. This is my, th th this will encourage other people to, to, to take a step on the path. I don't ever feel ashamed to say it. I don't ever feel like I lose a piece of it. But I don't want people to think that just because I really feel like a relationship with Christ is this paramount, the most important thing in my life that I'm going to judge them based on where they are. I think a lot of people have had experiences, regardless of what we're talking about. Um, and I think that uh, people that you know, claim to be religious can be a pretty big stumbling block for people that aren't. And yeah. same, same for Jesus. I mean, if you look in scripture, the guys that he was arguing with all the time were the most religious leaders of the day. Oh. It's like, I mean, it's just cool to think of it like that. I mean, he's this dude just loving on people, meeting them where they are. And all the guys that were like the religious dudes, they were the ones that getting, were getting arguments with him. And so I just, I think my concern is I don't want people to ever think that I think less of them or would project anything on them because of maybe experiences they've had in the past with other people. Right. This, this picture right here we're looking at, it's, it's from your Instagram. Yeah. It may be one of the greatest family photos I've ever seen. <laughs> Sarah was like, that's our Christmas card. Oh Boom. my God. Sarah looks amazing there. She's mega mom. She's awesome. And you and you refer to your mom as Mega Mom. Yes, she yeah, she was maybe to a fault. Yeah. Um, and you refer, say that she wasn't a good cook. Not at all. <laughs> 
Has she seen that? <laughs> she oh, read yeah. the book. Oh yeah. She read. The yeah, book. she yeah. knows. Yeah, she's cool. She's cool with not being a good cook. She it's knows. Balanced. Your mom, you're not a good book, good cook, but you're still one of the greatest moms ever. Yeah, walked I love you, mom, but you're not <laughs> a good cook. <laughs> what 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 made her a bad cook? Like she for, didn't cook. Oh, she didn't. Cook. I mean, like lean cuisines and you know Stouffer's lasagna and mm. walk up to Wendy's and grab a burger and Mountain Dew. She didn't have a go-to meal. She didn't make like a meatloaf or a. Didn't she make a peanut butter and jelly? Oh, she would always make me this. This is my go-to meal before kindergarten every day. I would have a bowl of tomato soup with a ham sandwich, and I would dip it in the soup. That sounds delightful. It was pretty good. <laughs> and then I would do like the saltines in that. it, crush yeah. the saltines up. But, I mean, let's be honest. Is that really cooking, Matt? <laughs> Technically, I guess it is. Because you got to heat it up, up yeah. right? I mean, I come from a similar generation. It was like all built around the microwave. You know, I had a lot of TV yeah. dinners. Yes. But, yeah. I so it's I kind of I mean, she cooking. wouldn't even do like breakfast for dinner? Well, I guess breakfast was the tomato soup. You mean, you mean like, make, you mean like <laughs> making an omelet for dinner? Yeah, that's what my, oh. my... My breakfast was like Lucky Charms, right? Yeah. I had, yeah. The, well, I had the little mini boxes of cereal, the variety pack. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got one every morning. And the wheat thins were always... Or the um, Frosted Mini Wheats were always the last ones yeah. you'd eaten. Oh, no, I yeah. love those. Oh, those are the last ones. I like those Frosted Mini <laughs> Chris, have you ever been overweight? Uh, I wouldn't say overweight, but maybe like in my... I'm a little... The, uh, my perspective's not real good. Maybe a little, I feel like I've been soft in the past. Um, since I've known you in the last 10 years? Uh, yeah. Um, That's my own issue, though. Don't you guys worry. Have you ever been to a point issues. in your life where you weren't comfortable taking your shirt off? You're like, ah, I don't no. want anyone really to see this. No. Okay, so you never felt overweight. How much do you weigh right now? Uh, uh, whew, pretty big. Probably like... <laughs> Man, big day, 144, big day. That's coming up yeah, on like Save on night. the Tosian. Yeah, it's like at night. For perspective, know, having... I weigh about 140. Yeah. Do you? But I'm like a foot shorter. I'm, all, I'm also too skinny, but. <laughs> do, you, do you feel strong? Well, yeah. I mean, not maybe in the same way that I used to, but yeah, I feel strong when my body's not hurting. I ask because I feel strong, but then I look at all your numbers are twice my numbers. <laughs> Some of, them are, still some of them are four times my numbers. <laughs> Which one is four really times? Like he, can do nice four, he can do four times as many pull-ups as I can. I, I guess that's them. different. <laughs> well, He can deadlift yeah. twice as that's, much. That's more than I just mean, strength. But There's he, a lot to play yeah. there. But I mean, you're, yeah, so think of it like this, and I tell people in our gym this all the time. Like, people that just CrossFit you know, five days a week, an hour a day, you forget. You compare yourself to the best people in the world. You forget when you walk in the grocery store mm. – like you are a monster compared to just the average Joe that's walking around in there, especially True. like the it's soccer mom. I don't forget very that. I, I don't think that. I, I walk by every person like, and I go, I could crush you. Better than I you. Had, <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had the same conversation with Sam Dancer. I was like, yeah, I work out, you know, five days a week. You know, maybe I'll rest twice, you know. And I feel like that's, you know, not very much. And he's like, well. Comparatively, not in Santa like, Cruz yeah. County where every other schmo is a CrossFitter. I mean, there's like we are a little sheltered. There's here. like 60 year old women here who yeah. are all stronger than me. I mean, it's oh, get out of here. But still, I mean, not comparatively, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a there was a doctor here visiting from um, Brazil yesterday. Mm -hmm. He CrossFits somewhere in Brazil. He's gonna kill me for forgetting the name of his gym. But anyway, he's showing me um, workout videos of his 50 year old one year old mother in law. Mm animal yeah animal that's cool 
you, I, I was interviewing you one time, um, and, there, and there was this, there was this th- theme. There was two separate interviews, but I noticed the theme as I was reading it in your book. Um, I had asked you about a workout, and you said, "Oh, I'm really excited about this workout because there's nothing stopping me. It was like all body weight, mm-hmm. so I can just go." And then I remember asking you, "What's the difference between wrestling and CrossFit?" And you said, uh, "In wrestling, someone's trying to stop you from what you're doing. Yeah. And in CrossFit, you just go." Yeah, you just do your thing, and I thought, oh, that's you know. There's a there's an interesting, there's an interesting transition there. You did a sport that was like one person is like absolutely stopping you from everything you're doing, and the other sport it's just you. It's all you, all you, all you. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, both are individual sports. If you're doing the individual side of <clears throat> um, CrossFit, I mean, even still, kind of like similar. I think a lot of pieces in team competitions are individual and they count toward your team score, you know? Um, but yeah, like think of another sport where someone is like physically hands on you trying to stop you from doing what you want to, and like literally trying to put you in a position where you want to give up. Like there's very few sports that are like that. That and is the wrestling, point of wrestling, jiu-jitsu, right? MMA, yeah. stuff like that. It's like my job is, my goal is to win. And the way you win is by scoring points. And often the way you score points is by getting people out of position. Or if you're going to put someone on their back, it's like you move them in a way they're not supposed to move so that they go there. And no one's like, the barbell's not going to do that. You right. Know, it's like, I just <laughs> have to go. And it's so it's in a lot of ways, it's easier. Uh, but yeah, because it's just up to you. There's no. So when people are like, oh my gosh, you know, I have to go against so and so or so and so, it's like, well, really, you don't. Like, really, they're not going to, like, run over and push you out of the way of the barbell. <laughs> but they might. But, um, yeah, so it's a really different feeling, I think. Do you expect, well, as you were in your in your last couple of games, did you expect people to respect you? Did you expect a certain kind of respect? I think I learned my lesson in 2009. Yeah. In 2009, like... I didn't expect anyone to respect me, but I think I, there was this piece in my mind, like after 2008, when I was so close to winning, I felt like I deserved to win. Not like anybody needed to do me favors or anything like that, but I felt like it, like it was my time. I deserved it. And then I realized real quickly, well, that's dumb because you don't deserve anything. And you need to earn every rep and every workout and every place, you know. So I don't I don't think I expected people to have some like respect that would be anything different. Um no, I don't know. I just think I anticipated some of the younger athletes probably knowing who I was. Not having any different kind of respect, but just like, oh, this is you know, a guy that I maybe watched and now I get a chance to compete with him. You, you, we, we know how you got the head writer for a CrossFit journal to help you with your book. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. And then on top of that, you also get the greatest CrossFitter of all time to write your foreword. How did that happen? Andrea's idea. It was my husband's idea. Oh, just passing this around. It was my husband. No, I mean, I'd love to take credit for it, but it just, it We're made talking a, about Rich Froning, It made by a the lot way, of not, not Matt Fraser. That was my idea. Oh. 
it made a lot of sense for multiple reasons. My husband suggested it and I thought about it and I just, and this is the same thing that we told Rich when we talked to him was it just makes a lot of sense. They are very similar in many ways. I think they're great representatives of CrossFit, not just for how they conduct and interact with other people and treat other people, but also just the way they move. I mean, Pat Sherwood jokingly once said that Rich Froning was a bigger version of Chris. <laughs> so, I mean, they both move really well, and I think they're great representatives of CrossFit, and the faith element was there too. Yeah. That's important to both of them, and so it just made sense. How, how, how does that go down? How, how, do, you, do you call Rich? Do you text him? I, yeah, I texted him a him? couple times. Andrea and I had the conversation, and then I texted him a couple times, and like hey you know would you be up for this would you be willing to do it and then it's just conversations back and forth and then getting him in touch with andrea to make sure that like everyone's on the same page with you know hey here's how long it would need to be or i you know those are all things that thankfully i relied on her and even like i think that's at the point did we start working with like jeremy too where he would help us with like author bios and fours and how long they should, I forget. That um, was like the four was already me. written when we, okay. when we okay. um, started working with the publisher, but yeah, the bios who, who is the publisher? So we went with a company called book in a box. Okay. And so yeah. that it was actually really helpful. Because... They have an arm called publishing in a box and they just like, once you're done with your book and you're ready, like they'll come in and they'll design the inside and the outside and do that stuff that Chris was talking. Hey, do you want acknowledgements? Do you want author bio? What do you want the cover to look like? That kind of stuff. So, and Jeremy's your point of contact. Yeah. It's there. just a, yeah. Yeah. And which is cool. Cause he, he's a crossfit. <clears throat> yeah. 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 And like unknowingly we didn't know yeah, that. We didn't know. And once we got he was super excited to work with us, which was cool. He, he refers to you as a legend in, in the, um, forward. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said, was that an expectation of yours? Like, was that a, no. no, no. And I think, I mean, I would say the same thing about him. I think at that, at that level, and I'm sure it's this way now, I haven't been there in, you know, four years, but I mean, there's such a level of respect between those guys. When you're at the games, you see it when you're back there. It's like, there's so little ego going around there and there's always a little bit of, you know, tension and things like that. But the level of respect that's there is just huge. So yeah, and definitely not expected, but I think, you know, I would say the same thing about him. And I don't remember the year in the 2000s. Yeah. In Carson, I didn't see this event go down, um, but there became a murmur in Athlete Village that Noah Olson had patted you on the head and called you Speely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How crazy is this, man? And I think it was his... I think it was his um, rookie year. And it I know was. Noah, and I think he's an amazing guy. It was. We had him in here, and I brought it up to him. Yeah, dude. Did and you remember? He, he... No, he was fucking... He was like, holy shit, I never would want to do anything to be offensive. I make nicknames for everyone. I mean, he started... He texted me that night. Oh, he did? Okay. And apologized. I mean, that's who he is. Yeah, and that I is was, who he is. I, he is. He is. He is. And, like, yeah. Yeah, that yeah that yeah that happened, and but that, would, that bothered me. I would never imagine that like him to say that in a condescending fashion. I just don't think that's his his person. Well, I don't want to attack Noah, but it's a no. totally different scene. Us here talking about it in hindsight mm -hmm. versus the fucking intensity that that is the games. Yeah, I mean, when you're walking around and like you're with all these, you, like whether people admit it or not, you can have fun and you're joking around, but like. There's from day one, there's still a level of like, 
you're like heightened awareness, I guess you could say. Like you're there. Like you're at the CrossFit Games, man. You know, so an athlete village is kind of like a cage where all the animals are like pacing Especially before the they girls. get out. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I'm a Don't dude. be sex. Don't be sexist. <laughs> I'm just being honest. They're great. Vicious. Yeah. And, and you, you, it's funny you say that. We were talking about the difference between men's sports and women's sports and why like some sports I prefer women's sports and some sports I prefer men's sports. Yeah. And I really like women's tennis because it's so fucking gritty and like, <laughs> it's yeah it's so it feels so competitive right yeah and in that in crossfit it's like that too i mean the men's is very competitive but the women's lately it's like oh as yeah. a spectator you love it let's go back to the noah thing let's not forget <laughs> yeah so, what can you tell me what happened like what that's was it the, yeah like we were, were you I on think, the court were you no we were in um i think it was his first crossfit games and and noah's great you know noah i think has in the past maybe gotten a bad rap from some people. And I think just because he's younger, you know what I mean? And, and, and he came on good. And, and he came on strong. And I think that sometimes when, you know, people are younger, they don't always understand like how certain things they do could be projected. And I think some people just, you know, yeah, they can maybe rub them the wrong way. And that's all that happened to me is we were in, uh, I think we were in the Marriott and it, I think it was his first CrossFit Games. And uh, had you actually met him before? Yeah, yeah. So this, what's funny okay. is like I had worked out with Noah when he was a kid. Like, I mean, like fourteen, <laughs> smear him across the gym at Peaks Three Sixty, like yeah. lap him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rush him. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. Noah. And he was like, uh, and I remember him being like, "Oh my gosh, like how, like how can you do that, like that many rounds?" And because he was just a kid. Yeah. And I'm teaching level one seminars, and you know, this is like 2009. 2010 and so I, I worked out with him when he was you know not even on the scene not a blip on the radar so I knew him and I knew he's a good kid but um, yeah we were in the lobby at the CrossFit Games and he walked by <laughs> he walked by and patted my head and rubbed my bald head and said hey Speely and I was just like what are you doing man I didn't say that to him but I remember thinking like what do you like? I would never do that to somebody. <laughs> I would never do that to somebody. Out of all the options of interactions you had, you yeah, chose that one. Yeah, I would never do Has that. Has anyone to called you Speelies before that Not or since? Since I was in like seventh grade, my track coach <laughs> called me Speels on Wheels or like Speelies. <laughs> so when that happened, I was like, what? So it wasn't even on the competition floor. It was at the Marriott. Yeah, like when we were getting ready to go wow. register. I'm stuff. seeing some inconsistencies in the story. I don't even know if it happened. So <laughs> that's when I that's so, when I remember. It. So flash forward yeah. nine years to 2018. Yeah, now leave uh -huh. it up to me to bring it up. Mm -hmm. And he and he sends you a text immediately. A poor kid. Yeah. I felt the he, second the second I got remember. that text, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, now I feel horrible because <laughs> Noah because somehow this got out. Now Noah's been told, and I now am the guy that didn't have the nuts to be like, hey, Noah. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, you know what I, I mean? I, like, I see what you say. Hey, if I go pat Rich Froning and say Froningy, right? <laughs> Richie, Richie, yeah, yeah. But, hey, Richie. But I mean, like, and that's the thing is, you know, it, truthfully, if I was like man enough about it, an adult enough about it, I think I would have been like, hey, no, that's not the best way to approach that, because you probably shouldn't do that. To people, right? right, right I mean, right. I, I mean, 
Well, then we wouldn't. This have. wait, the text that Noah sent you was recent. Oh yeah. What was? Oh, oh, oh last. Oh, I brought it up last in here. Week. Last, oh. I brought it up in here last week. I was. We spent I like at first six it hours was like, in here with him. So this was years <laughs> later, and he was. Nine he didn't remember later. it. No, he didn't remember. By the way, just so you but know, you so, saw it. No, you but heard ev- about it. but it's a story. <laughs> There's these iconic stories. There's like a hundred right. iconic stories yeah. that have happened at the CrossFit yeah. Games, and that's one of them. Yeah. Oh and my gosh. I felt so bad when I got the text. Too. And so basically, um, I brought it up to Noah, and he had never heard of it. But what's funny is when the podcast was over, he went outside, and I and we talked about it out here, and then everyone came up. You know, like Heber and Mariah and Marsden. They're like, "Oh yeah, we remember." Everyone was talking about it. Oh my! <laughs> and poor gosh. Noah's like, he's like, Fuck. "The what? Yeah, is it what? Did what? Yeah." And the <laughs> truth is, is um, okay. Here, I'll read it. Okay, I'll read it. This Thank is you. from this is Noah texting me last weekend. I was out of town, Friday night. <clears throat> I'm what, sit, what time? What sitting time? in the hotel room. This was six thirty-five. Central Standard Time. Central Time is I don't know what time. And yeah. he writes, Chris, exclamation point. I, like, what a stand-up dude, right? And now I feel horrible. He says, I'm He didn't s- address you as Speely? No. He said, Chris, <laughs> I'm sorry that years ago I patted your head and called you Speely with the possibility of that offending you. I have an affinity toward rubbing bald heads and nickname people as a way of bonding. I can see how the two may have been a bit frustrating. Hope you are well. That's what he told us, too. I think it's just... He gets so excited. He's like one of those cats that you're petting and would just bite you. You know those? That's how Noah is. Yeah, he, he, he does get excited. And I don't I don't think he has any malicious intent. Yeah. No, and that's yeah. why I say like yeah. he's young. You know right. what I mean? Like and I think that yeah, like and so when people ask me, you could say that about any competitor that's young. Like when you're they don't know they're under the spotlight or they don't know that they're maybe more easily scrutinized by either their peers or the camera that's around them like there's a responsibility there of for all those athletes to like set an example for themselves, the people that are watching. It doesn't mean you can't be yourself, but like I don't know, you're just under this you're under the microscope a bit more in those situations, I think. I I'd like to say to you that um two out of three times that I've offended people, I I apologize also. I I stepped overstepped my boundaries with Andrea um in one of the podcasts many podcasts ago and I apologize to her and I overstepped my boundaries with Eric, and I apologize to him. I nope. overstepped my boundaries with Matt, and never apologize. Oh, I was gonna say, I was like, <laughs> I'm two, two, I'm out, two of out of three. <laughs> oh, two out of three. Only yeah. three times you've offended people in life. Oh, I was gosh. actually thinking driving in today. I was like, I have no material to beat up on Matt today. God, but, but so what am can't. I gonna do? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think when that day comes, we just end this thing. Yeah, <laughs> no it's more. Over. <laughs> um, I Ben Bergeron has a really um intense relationship with Katrin yeah um, uh, David's daughter yeah daughter David's daughter David's yeah. daughter and um, and she's really intense yeah she's like um, not in a bad way that, that word has some negative connotation well people can be intense and not bad people yeah, yeah she's not all crinkly intense no you know she's what I mean focused yeah. Right? yeah focused yeah. focused I like that um and 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 their their behavior as a coach and athlete is so unique to me. And when I see it, it's um, uh, it's romantic, not not romantic like um, sexually romantic. What am I trying to say? It here? could be romantic. It's pretty. I mean, it is. It's it's, in, like it's intense and it's intimate. intimate. Yeah, intimate. Yeah. Thank and you. Thank you. It's almost That's like why I'm not a writer. It's intimate. It's See? like it's like Helpful. she's his daughter, and I think he's referred to her that way before. Like the daughter that I, that you know, had didn't have or whatever. Like they're tight. And when I see 
um, that relationship. And then I picture him because he was your coach. Yeah. Another fascinating story. Read the book just to hear. There's, there's a couple paragraphs on how you guys, your relationship from you meeting him to how he became your coach. And there's yeah. probably a whole podcast on how that happened and the humility it took for you to do that. But um, I don't see him being your trainer or Matt Fraser's trainer. No. Is he that dynamic in his ability to assess people? Is that special for Catcher and he has something special for you, has something special for Matt? I mean, it's a really unique and different situation. I mean, doesn't Katrin live in his house? No, no? but she, didn't she? <laughs> she's always there. Didn't she though? Like, I, I think she, I, I, I saw her like have. eating she, breakfast in their kitchen and shit. I, I mean, the Bergerons are great. They're very welcoming, like open home to people. So I, you know, it maybe just appears that way to me, but um, no, not, not even close. I mean, that, that wasn't that way at all for like, this is, this is a distant, this is like, they need to be six inches closer. <laughs> You know what I mean? That well, they don't, they, what I'm saying they, don't they don't obey the one foot rule that you have in no. uh, the eighth grade. No, and I mean that's not at all the relationship that I had with Ben in that way. And I think part of it is that I lived across the country and I had trained for how many years on my own. And I mean, I would go to the CrossFit Games and like I think he was he was at one of my regionals in 2013. He came out for that one with Heather. You talk with about Heather, that in your yeah. book, yeah. Um, and uh, at the and CrossFit you didn't make Games. it that year, right? Nope. Okay. Um, so it was different. I lived across the country. It wasn't something where I was training like face to face with him every day. And I also the thing that I appreciated about Ben is it wasn't like Ben just telling me what I needed to do. It was often me telling him what I thought was going to work well and him elaborating on that or improving upon it. You called him a game plan genius. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy, more than anybody that I ever knew was really... I mean, this is intimate. Sorry, we'll get back to game plan genius. That's okay. I mean, look at this. Everything about, I mean, maybe I'm bringing it to it. I think this is good media. Yeah. All right. I think you're (laughs) go back accurate game plan. Game plan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like he just uh, he has a way about assessing workouts and breaking them down to create um, maybe a different way of looking at it or a different approach for it, a different strategy. Does it come natural to him, or is he working on it? Like I've heard, he takes all the game workouts. And figures out from all the game workouts what's most likely going to be in the games the following year based on what hasn't been there. I think it's both. You know what I mean? I think Ben is just like inherently, uh, from when I even saw him coaching at level ones, he's just a great communicator. He's someone that obviously does like a lot of reading on, you know, either, you know, mentality, business, self help, positive stuff. Like he's just all into that. And that kind of comes out in the, the coach that he is, but I also know that he works really hard. You know what I mean? He works really hard to, to do that. So I think it's a blend of both. I wouldn't give the credit toward one or the other entirely. I think, um, his athletes inspire him too. I think so. You know what I mean? I think he, I think he gets that. And I think that's probably just like kind of from the personality or the approach that he chooses to have on life do you think that any part of him coaches because he lives vicariously f- through you guys like he really wants to be the athlete but he knows he can't so he no. So, no there i never ever got that from him that's no. why i'd coach good reason to it's not a bad reason <laughs> really i don't think it's very satisfying oh. right because i'm not doing it myself well no like like uh the it's just not a. Like you don't have control over that. 
It's like you a, can get your athlete as prepared as possible, but like ultimately, it's them on the floor and they have to do what they can do. And if you are going to be happy depending on their success, then I think that's probably going to put a whole lot of pressure on them. That's undue. And I think that you may be less happy than you would hope to be. More often you just start yelling a lot and throw a chair onto the court. Yeah, it works well. <laughs> seen it before. There's a theme in the book that I let so-and-so down. I let this person down. I let these people down. And I, as I've known you throughout the years, it, I know that about you too. I've never felt that way personally that I've ever let anyone down. I don't think in that paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so I can't even, um, it sounds like crazy pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've never even felt like I've let my parents down. I'm a people pleaser, right? You know those people that are like, M M Rourke, my son is like that. He's like scared. Like, do you remember those kids? Or maybe you guys were learning, like you're scared to, that's when your parents like say they're disappointed in you. Mm. You're like, oh, yeah, oh that would, my gosh. Yeah, that would crush me. Yeah. That would crush me. I, that would crush me. Right. They never said that to me, but that would fuck me up. So that's the stuff where it's like when, you have, when you're a people pleaser, and, and I think unique to me, well, maybe not unique to me, but at least what I felt was, I was like always playing the underdog role, which I loved, but I always felt like I was kind of bridging the gap. Like, man, if he can do it, maybe I can. And just felt like so much support from the community that you like, you wanted to do well for them, not just for me, but like, oh my gosh, like I hope I do well for them too. And then when that doesn't happen, like, oh, I, I hope I didn't let him down. And I know that's stuff that I project on myself. Do you keep that as a pathology to work hard? Is it something as you mature? No. No. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, like, I think so. like, like someone said, hey, Mike Tyson, you should go see his therapist. And he's like, why? It's these problems that let me knock people out in the first round. Like, <laughs> I, like I need this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like, um, uh, do you feel like to be the ultimate role model, to be the ultimate Christian, to be the ultimate who you really are, that at some point you need to transcend that? Um, you know no, what I mean? I do you think, think you it's need a, to, I think you need to hold that with a loose hand. What do you mean yeah. by that? Like, uh, and, and what I'm talking about is that feeling that you have that you're yeah. letting people down. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I think you need to, and I've always said this about any competitor, myself included. Like a calm competitor is a dangerous one. You know, like a very like a calm and cool competitor is one that you better like reckon with because they know who they are. They know they're prepared. They know they've done everything they need to. They're focused on what they need to do. They're not worried about outside variables. And that's an outside variable. I can't control what the community thinks about me as long as I'm staying true to who I, I should be um, or I want to be. So that's just ultimately a distraction. So that's why I say I think you need to hold out the loose hand. You need to know the responsibility that you have, I think, um, to who you want to be when you walk out on the competition floor. And I guess you could say like the legacy you want to leave. But you also need to... Yeah, you need to hold that with a loose hand so that it doesn't control you. Yeah, I think that's a that's an aspect of being successful in any sort of competition. You have to have some sort of pressure yeah. to want to do this. Or what are you doing it for? The, the money? I mean, sure, what? There's there's some sort of external pressure, whether or not it's making you know somebody happy or not. Like you have to have. So I think the loose hand is a great way to put it. 
And do you see that pressure as being an insecurity, as being a pathology, as being a weakness that you, instead of letting be a weakness, you use it to drive you? I'm going to answer this for Chris. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you hone it in too hard and you make it too much of your focus, then it can be. And you're like, oh, fuck, I'm just not good enough. And it starts spiraling, spiraling out of control. And it's like, how do you recover from that? You know, say you're at the games. You can't. Yeah. I mean, same thing at work, right? Anything else we do. If we start, like, yeah. if you start comparing yourself too much to other people or putting outside pressures on you, it's like that conversations you have in your head before they even happen. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, like driving in here to interview today. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or like if you're like having an argument or like you think there's going to be a disagreement, you're like, oh, if they say this, well, I'm going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden you get all like balled up and yeah. you haven't even had the conversation with the person yet. And it and, never, yeah, the words inside your head never materialize. Yeah. So it's, I think it's similar. People are going to get really upset if I don't ask you about your diet and your training. But fuck them. But you don't have to. <laughs> ask about that. So um, you don't have to. I'm about to get nutrition punched right now. Uh, in 2009, Rob Orlando came up the hill carrying the sandbag. Yeah. Um, he's fucking like gonna die. His lips are turning blue. <laughs> um, I said, "What do you think about this event?" Event, and he said something like, um, "Just like every CrossFit event, he's like, there's nothing fair about this fucking sport." Yeah. And he went into this whole thing about how this sport isn't fair, but but that's what he liked about it. Uh-huh. And you and you talk about that in your book yeah. about how this isn't um this isn't fair. First, are it's there not. any sports that are fair? Like right. is is wrestling fair? That's why I got into it. I mean, <laughs> until you get into like the politics of some of the, you know, refing that can happen at high high levels, but yeah, I mean, wrestling's about as fair as it can get. Like if I lost, you're better than me today. You're the mm-hmm. same weight as me. You know, like that, how, you know, there can be some refing and things like that, but the sport, right? It's just like, it's pretty fair. Right. Everyone knows you can't gouge the guy in the eyes if you right. do this happens, yeah. this happens, this you happens. You know the rules, yeah. And so, what about, um, and for those of you who think we're being derogatory, we're not. It's just one of the aspects. Yeah, CrossFit is not fair. It's, it's just like mountain climbing. You might get rain, you might not. Yeah. But CrossFit isn't fair because you might get rain and you might not, right? There's a, what about it to you is not fair? I mean, it, it doesn't take out it's just it's like it's a life isn't fair right that's what it is it's like if the whole if like at the very root of it if the goal of crossfit is to is to prepare you for the unknown and unknowable that's not fair that's that's your answer it's as simple as that if the program is designed for gpp and to prepare you for the unknown and unknowable those things are not fair and then whatever comes out is whoever does the best is going to do the best and crossfit as a sport let's be honest and i i like having these conversations because i think people like tiptoe around them now like if you want to be the best crossfitter in the world guess what it's really helpful if you're between 57 and 510 and 185 and 205 pounds i like it yeah you're gonna be in a <laughs> you're already in a really good spot guess what if you're five four and 140 or six four and 220 your chances just went down and it doesn't mean there aren't anomalies fakowski is a great example you know guy that's still on the podium and it does not fit the norm uh you know me being a smaller athlete bridges you know like there are people that break that mold but look i am the exact average size of a female crossfit games athlete exact <laughs> when that came out last year that statistic i was like that's me <laughs> five four 140 pounds like that is exactly me i'll crush them Maybe not even. <laughs> um 
but uh, but yeah, so it's it's not it's not fair. And the sport has because of the way that it's evolved, and because of I think the logistics of events and the time domains that are required, and TV and crowd appeal, all those things play a role. And that's great, but it also lends itself to certain workouts we're limited to a certain amount of events because we can't just totally trash athletes you know what i mean and the fittest will always rise to the top for sure they always will but if you want to win the crossfit games just like if you want to play a position in the nfl a certain body type will lend itself a whole lot better to it than others it's like any sport fair yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, I'm gonna, if I want to, yeah. I guess what? Yeah. I'm probably yeah. not going to play in the NBA. There's a, <laughs> and, and, and you could even say there's a certain body type that's the best for GPP. Totally. Right? Yeah. There's a certain body type that works best in a um, uh, Chevy Nova. There is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a certain body type that is the fastest 100 meter sprinter and right. the fast, like, and CrossFit has evolved enough as a sport, as a sport that, with the loads that athletes have to lift and the demand that they have to do, like you're just, you know, if you're proportionate, that's also really helpful. Oh, then, that's so bad. Then, <laughs> so then, bad. then let me ask you this. When you made the podium in 2012, 10, 10, yep. I walked up to Dave and I said to him and he got furious at me and you guys were very close back then, right? Yeah. yeah I yeah. said, you programmed this so Spieler could get on the podium. And he said, absolutely not. And he got really angry. And I kept taunting him about it. I'm like, well, then how the fuck could a guy who's such an outlier make it onto the podium? Mm-hmm. Bridges has. Yeah. It has yeah. Bridges? Yep. Second place in 2012. Mm-hmm. He's he, he's different than you, though, right? Yeah, I he's mean, like 20 he, pounds heavier than me. At least. 30 pounds. 40. Yeah, I don't know what he weighs now when we were like, you know – talking more frequently he's more training. he's 180 right now if we text him. okay yeah I like when i talked to like was, calling him an when i talked last <laughs> he was like heavy. weighing around 170 so that's like yeah 25 30 pounds is a lot do you think that that programming you kind of allude to it in the book yeah i knew and, and i'm that he programmed for you no oh. <laughs> i knew that I, I knew that i wasn't gonna win i knew that i wasn't gonna win the crossfit games after um, in that moment but you do, I knew I would have another shot. You do call the programming on page 147. <laughs> yeah. Of the new Spiel book <laughs> that, that actually sold out on the CrossFit store stuff. Paperback. They restocked. Having seen such favorable programming, you, yeah. you, you call it favorable. Yeah. Every athlete at the CrossFit games and you start talking about the top 10 and you were on there with big guys, by the way, Graham and, and Rich. Yeah. Yeah. So every athlete, I don't care who you talk to every athlete at the end of an event will be like, that was a good, that was a good games for me. Like workout wise. That was good. Or like, man, that there were a handful in there that were really tough. You know, it's just like, um, I'm trying to think of like a good example. Uh, Rob Forte great example yep is rob is a freak show right yeah he he wins events at the games and rob stuff that rob's really good at that i think most people don't think are things like the bike or the longer runs and i don't think people are ready for that for rob but he can still move the way so rob's a good example of someone that like fits the mold right but if you see more longer stuff more running rob's gonna just keep 
you know, floating to the top. Where guess what? If you see every event have a run in it, guess who's floating to the bottom? Maybe rich. You know what right. I mean? Right. Just be, not because rich isn't fit. Right. But and that's where you again start to see like you know programming and um, training start to change that too. Because look at Frazier. You know, Frazier winning the sprint and the long right. run, the twenty seventeen. You know, so you you'll see athletes adapt for sure, but. You know, I I think it's very there are very few people that are like the Frasers and the Riches that like are frequently top five, and then just like and it doesn't take anything away from them. But like, look at their body type, look at their work ethic, right? Look at the scenarios that they have. Those guys are in a position where, you know, that's awesome that they've set themselves up like that. They can train constantly. They don't, you know, financially they're able to do that and set themselves up like that. You know, that's what they do. That's their job. Right. Where guess what? You know, the kids that are 20 and in college and working at the night job, trying to scrape by with no sponsors, working their brains out, it's it doesn't mean they can't do it, but it's just not every odd stacked in your favor. Where now every odd is stacked. Distracted in your favor. by thousands of beautiful women. Uh, maybe, possibly. <laughs> I was just we were, we're yeah. talking about the complications College, of yeah. being a young, <laughs> a young CrossFit. Yeah. Um, uh, those of you who are getting ready, who are starting to type on YouTube, neg- um, bad shit about me because I'm um, asking Chris <laughs> what you would consider hard questions. Um, wait for it because this 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 is the one you want. You want to save all your venom. For <laughs> now this. it's coming. You want to save all your venom for this. Here, next can I make a timestamp here. Um, <laughs> In 2011, there was a softball throw. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness Kalipa went after me. <laughs> um, in my mind, you are one of the, um, not only one of the most fit people who ever walked the planet, but because of your wrestling background, and I know it, one of the, um, you're, you're just a, a, a dominant figure. As an athlete, you're an aggressive, dominant, um, you're like a man child. You know what I mean? Like you're all, like, you're ready to go. Um, which we'll get back to about when you and Dave Castro almost wrestled in 2010. Actually, oh, yeah. you did start to wrestle, but, oh, yeah. but he, for he some reason, running away. he did. So we'll get back <laughs> to that. Dave. We'll get back he to run, that. He, he did run away. I'm dying yeah. to know what you thought about that. But <laughs> how come this core to extremity thing wasn't working for you? Did you not throw oh, the ball gosh. as a kid? What happened in no. 2011? No. And that's the thing is like, so I grew up playing soccer. I played like T-ball. And mm-hmm. then I stopped playing baseball to where your coach pitches to you. And like after the eighth strike, you're out kind of thing. Um, so I didn't grow up like that. The, the sports that I played were soccer, wrestling, lacrosse, all that stuff. I And this is like, dad, I love you. This is no, but I never played catch with my dad because we were always like either playing soccer or doing something else. So I never would just like go play catch. I never played any ball sports ever. Didn't you used to skip rocks out on the lake? No, or? I still can't skip rocks. Wow, Are you kidding me? And I like I've even had all men. I'll even have. I'd love to hear this about your weakness. Oh, this it's is so amazing. great! It's so great. After and what, this, we're gonna go have a skipping contest. I'm gonna fuck oh, you up. And it's what's <laughs> so great is Rourke, my son, for some weird reason, like has an arm on him. And I'm, I'm clearly, Dad hasn't taught you anything, right? <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's funny because I've even in the gym. Like had a football around, and be like, Doug, show, like teach me how to throw a ball. <laughs> show me the sequence of events that I need to do here, and I'll like practice it with with Rourke. It's like, is this because I'm a spaz? I'm like, I wonder if I can do that better. Can you time. throw now? I don't think I can throw very well, and I'm. This isn't. Is like, it this? 
it's this part, part? I think it's partly because I think my labrum might be torn. So every time I throw a ball, you have a labrum. Hurts. Yeah. Oh, a the, labrum. Yeah, not the other thing you were thinking about. Right. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So that's not. I don't think that's the root cause. But that 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 doesn't feel good. Um, but no, I've. That's one thing that I've always been really bad at. I remember uh, punt pass kick. Do you remember punt pass pass kick in? Punt pass kick. You notice how he stopped asking me. He looked at me like. <laughs> do you remember? Play. Do you remember Jim? I did not play that game. In I didn't gym? play punt pass kick. No. No. Eric, did, no. No. We had to do it in gym. Did you have to do it? Never did. No. So it was in gym class, and it was this this test they would do where you would have to. It was all football. You had to pass it. You'd throw it as far as you could. Had to punt it and then try to kick it through the field goal, and I was mortified because <laughs> I could never do any of that. Like, so you please. knew. So when the softball throw came up, you knew. You're like, oh, I'm fucked. Done. I remember watching Lipson like try to teach Camille how to throw the ball in the background and thinking like, I'm just gonna watch what he's telling her and try to do that. Right. Did it ever cross your work. mind to underhand it? No. I, yeah. I remember I like really went for it. <laughs> that was <laughs> awesome. I should have tried to kick it. It would have gone further. <laughs> did you throw it farther than Jason? I don't know if I did. Okay. I I just think mechanically. His looked so much worse. It was like a catapult. You know what I mean? I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> but because he went right after me, don't get for whatever reason, people just remember his throw, which is fine with me. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It is definitely seared in my mind. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, just like his It's stretch. the elbow. It's the elbow throw. <laughs> we could teach you to throw like an hour outside. I try. I, it's like it'd elbow be, high. It'd be easy. Yeah. It, it, it's try. like um, when, when Haley hits me, there's a... There's no follow through because she doesn't want to really hurt me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I say something, she goes to me. It's like, mm. yeah, yeah. I can just tell like her will's not there. I hit my husband full on. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, she has no. Adrian's she like, I can it. throw. She's a always ball like, and a ow. Punch. Yeah, no. I don't know can't. if I can throw a ball. I, I don't think I've. Really I always tried, tell but... him like, you fucking hit, your hit is so weak. Don't let our kids see that. Did, did you did you tell her that she hits like a girl? I felt like that was about to come out. I of your really, mouth. I really don't. Coming. I really can't handle that, Andrea. Please. <laughs> I actually, I mean, I probably did say it. Um, in 2010, there was something called Tahoe Throwdown. Yeah, uh, amazing event. So Such many good moments event. there. But yeah. there was a we were in this 30 million dollar home, and we were out on the. Deck. I think we were in. I, yeah, we we were. I think maybe we were inside or outside. But somehow you ended up just one on one with the semi, like like a high school fight. Yeah, we were outside. Yeah, on the deck. Basically, and Dave was saying he could beat your ass, and you're I like, think so yeah, like I disagree. Like, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we went outside. <laughs> And it was like just in high school, everyone circled yeah. around and you guys started towing off. And um, <laughs> was this captured on film? It is on film somewhere. I don't Nice. It, yeah. I, I mean, I was there. I must have captured it on yeah. film. But he. Um, he was saying like he didn't think I think he was saying that he didn't think I could take him down like in uh, wrestling. Because I was like, OK, like if we're talking <laughs> wrestling, like you can't throw punches like I'm confident I could take you down. He's like, I'm confident you can't. Because he's Dave, right? So, 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 um, nearly all American wrestler versus um, Navy SEAL. Yeah, retired Navy SEAL. Which I've put some other Navy SEALs on their back, not to be men- mentioned. Can you say that Andy sure Stumpf? Oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great at the Four Seasons Hotel years ago. What happened? We were outside the bathroom and we were just kidding around. Drunk? He's, drunk? He's, no. Neither he of was, you drink. No, I, yeah, I'm just not into it. It doesn't taste good to me for some reason. But we were kind of kidding around. It doesn't taste good to anyone. We were kind of kidding around and like, 
I, I forget how we got into it, but like we started kind of wrestling a little bit and I just like foot sweeped him and put him on his back <laughs> on the carpet. And it was just so funny. Cause like Pat's awesome, you know, and he, he was laughing and, but yeah, so that's my claim to fame on. Yeah. It's funny. You foot sweep him and he's laughing. And I asked him a question once about boning um, at the games and he threatened to choke me. Sure, what's gonna drop you like a rock? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I guess I guess he know, he knows like he can choke me, but he can't choke you. Anyways, let's get back to Dave. 2010, and so you guys start circling yeah. each other, and 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 the way I remember it is, is Dave was just like did not want to come near you. He did not want to engage. Well, that was his strategy, and he, that's what he said. He's like, well, yeah. He's like, well, I can, you know, I can kind of like flee or get. And I was like, but that's not the rules. Like you have to like you have to engage. <laughs> so then it kind of turned into this wild like cat and mouse circling around he was sort of like i think you pulled his head down a few times i tried but he yeah. kept like fleeing the scene <laughs> oh my god you're a good collegiate wrestler you drop him in a second <laughs> second i'm not saying dave's not tough but if it's the rules of wrestling it's just like a familiarity. Yeah, it'd be like me saying, like, Dave, I think I can outshoot you. I, would, I have Like, to I think I'm going to be better out in the range than you. Maybe not. <laughs> I remember being uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable in situations like that? Or are you like, no, that's what I do for a living. I grab people, I throw them on the yeah, ground, and tie them in a knot. I'm like, oh, shit, this is enough. <laughs> so, I re- it's funny because we actually had some, um, some girls in our gym just do, like, some hand-to-hand kind of, like, self-defense stuff, which I think is great, you know? And um, But... I said one of the things that, because Sarah and I were talking about it, and she's like, should I do it, should I not? I was like, I think, you know, it could be good. But I said one thing they need to remember is like, and this is something I never I never have ever thought about. If someone's never been in those situations before, I think they're really surprised when someone puts their hands on them. They're like, holy crap, what do I do? Hmm. Or like, I grew up like that. Like, that's just the sport that I grew up in. So if that happens, it's kind of second nature what to do. And I remember telling Sarah, like, those self-defense things are great, but if they want to be comfortable, they have to do that, like, frequently, like, a couple times a week, consistently, because otherwise, if I learn how to do this or that, and then I don't do anything for six months, and God forbid something happens, there's probably going to be a pretty high level of discomfort when someone, you know, engages, so... I, 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 um, I wrestled all growing up. Yeah, that's just all we did all day. My sister, my friends in the yard from when I with my dad from when I was like two to thirteen. Yeah, yeah, just um, casual wrestling. Always did it. Lots of crying, but just <laughs> you know what I mean. Just more, just the more the merrier. And um, that's why when Matt pushed me in the gym one day about oh a year God. ago, you walked into my hand. It didn't. Even, <laughs> you, know, you were throwing a temper tantrum and you shoved me when oh, I came okay. over to you. But anyway, um, what's interesting about that is now I have three boys. And we'll have kids over, and the ki- other kids will say that my son is hitting them, when I know it's not hitting, and Just they'll go tell their parents, and even their parents will think it's hitting. Yeah, he's trying to engage them in play. So I've had to tell him like, hey, um, I know you're not hitting. I know like you're just pulling and you're on the trampoline and you want right. to engage them because there are kids that hit. Yeah, and bite yeah. and shit and that sucks and they scratch the face yeah. but my kid just wants to run by he'll slap you on the ass he'll pull your hand he's trying to just get in a cat and mouse like like hey that's what your brothers are for yeah you know it's like until but it's interesting because I there are those parents out there who even the slightest contact my kid makes with them they're like hey we need to we can't have this yeah there's a bunch of them 
and it's because they didn't have siblings or they didn't wrestle or they didn't like and I think and, too uh, it's like their level of comfort their kids level of comfort right you turn into mm. papa bear the second you think your kids like you know uncomfortable with the situation you know it's like it's part of being a parent you gotta teach right. your kids how to deal with it it's different for everybody so what would you do with your kids if they were faced with that situation what oh, if you brought man, rourke Myla. over and avi was Ugh. what if you brought rourke and milo over and avi was pushing him on the trampoline uh rourke would be sensitive and be like dad because he's like he up? doesn't want to hurt he doesn't want to hurt kids and he doesn't want to get in trouble you know milo would probably give him the stink eye and be like bro knock it off <laughs> But I so like this actually happened. It's funny. Milo was, she's in kindergarten and she was at school and she's like, dad, some boy in line. And this came up. We do this thing called. Wait, high, how old is Milo now? She's six. Oh. So we do this thing called high, low, buffalo every night. So we talk about like you're high, you're low and some random thing that happened. And in this conversation, she's like, daddy, this you know, boy, we're in line. And he touched my butt. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me who he is, you know? <laughs> And uh, I was like, try to stay calm. And she's like, well, you know, we were like, what happened? And tell us what happened. And I was like, if that happens again, I was like, you turn around, you punch him in the nose. And Did she do I it? was like, so then I was like, okay, I got to rein things in here a little bit and tell her how to handle it. So then we emailed her teacher just to be like, hey, this happened. Just so you know, this happened. Are you cool if you talk to Milo about it? Just so she's like talking to other adults and letting them know. And Milo's like, oh yeah, you can tell my teacher. I don't care. And uh, so... <laughs> teacher that's very cool of you by the way that you did that that you talked to your daughter first that shows some like some respect yeah thanks try you know so so we uh i got an email from her teacher the next day and she said i spoke with myla because we let her teach you know and she said i spoke with myla and she said that uh (laughs) daddy said yeah daddy said you know (laughs) (laughs) that if he does it again to punch her in the nose to punch him in the nose and i was like oh my gosh like and then I emailed the teacher back, and I was like, yeah, I think Papa Bear came out a little bit in that one. But I tell her all the time, like, or Rourke, I'm like, hey, if you guys need to stand up for yourself or for one of your friends, you know, and it's funny because I remember my dad saying this to me, but still being so scared. Like, you, even if you get in trouble at school, you're not going to get in trouble with dad. I remember my dad saying that because he's, like, overly confident. I say that stuff in the book. He's, like, super I know your dad, con- too. He's, oh, my He's intense gosh. as shit. He's so funny. He's intense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's intense. He'll turn your hand to sawdust. Yeah, he is <laughs> intense. kill you with a shake of the hand. And uh, so I remember as a kid him always being, like, so overly confident, and I couldn't relate to him. And he'd be like, you did just punch him in the face and run. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I can't get in a fight. I was like Rourke, you know, sensitive soul, scared I was going to hurt somebody's feelings. My grandma told me to do that when I was younger. Did Girl you do it? School was, oh, yeah, I punched her in the face and just yeah. watched her fall over. Our, our good, our, we have very, very close family friend. I don't want to say his name, Alec Matthews. And he told his daughter that if Avi keeps grabbing her, punch him in the nose. Hey. And I'm like, but I think it's okay that he grabs her. So I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be a natural consequence for Avi, but I don't think what he's doing is wrong. But all right, I'll just kind of just see how this one plays out. I mean, they're young. They're three. Sometimes violence solves problems. I mean, it's, yeah. So, yeah, it's hard being a parent. I think she's, I think Alex said that um, she get, um, Avi gets three warnings. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll try to tell our kids like use your words. Don't do that. Is that three like each interaction or just like they accumulate over time? No, I think it's each interaction. I'm hoping. It just yeah, re- I it, feel it, like it resets. Like a, yeah. I feel like that's a kid natural reset button. Yeah. It's like wait, it's like waiting for mom to count the three. They're two, also yeah. like those two see each other and um, you know like when two kids are friends and they see each other and they just lose their shit. 
yeah. You know what I mean? Wow, this is yeah, awesome. Yeah. So he every time they see each other, they just yeah, it's game time. They come unhinged. Yeah, they're like yeah. two snakes that coil. You know what I mean? Just yeah, just. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. I feel like I didn't even have to use much of my notes. <laughs> Are you gonna write a second book? That's funny. Like I remember saying something to Andre about that. You know, I don't. I don't know. I've already gotten some emails with people kind of asking me, hey, was this written pre-Masters competition or post? No mention of Masters in here. And that's because it took us, you know, a little over two years to write and another right. year to get published or another eight months to get published. Like, we took our time to to try to do it as best as we could. So um, I've even said to Andrea, like, let's see how this does. And it might, I don't know, it might be cool to just give people the perspective because no one's done this like take a deep breath and it's okay to transition from elite to normal you know like what's page that like? 333 yeah, yeah about <laughs> my pages. fitness had reached a level that was unsustainable and we had a guest in here and when we walked out of here matt basically you know we were doing a debrief on the guest and he said that that lifestyle is unsustainable about one of our guests and when you said that in the book that's only the second time i've heard that yeah um my fitness has reached a level that was unsustainable i was like wow that's some potent shit yeah you can't do that because of all sorts of reasons age family hardship on the body they um, talk about it at the level one life right Mm -hmm. like what's the definition of health and you know, once you start looking at the age continuum, it's okay. Now we need to try to maintain this for as long as possible. We need to take this and try to hang on to it for as long as we can. But that we talk about that at level one. So you know, that at some point, age plays a role, and now it's maintaining or keeping as much work capacity as you have. It comes for everybody. One of the most profound things I ever heard from a games athlete in regards to training came from you it was many years ago this might be was in 2008 or 2009 and you were talking about age and you and and please course correct me as i say this um you were talking about the fact that it's not the multiple days of once you've reached a certain level it's not the multiple days of training you need necessarily to get stronger or faster but you need that recovery in those multiple days to work on technique and skills, whether it be double unders, triple unders, walking on your hands. And that's the real hardship of getting older because you have to choose your workouts that much more carefully. Yeah. Does this sort of make sense to you? I don't, like I don't can, remember saying that stuff, but I think you're you like, know oh, fuck, I, mean? I can't do four workouts anymore. No. So I, those two I choose have to really be yeah. the ones. Yeah. And if I can, so the way I look at it now, is if I can bridge the gap in a way to just like, I think there's a big gap in the community where there are people that train at an affiliate or just an hour a day, that's all they need and that's awesome. That is, that goes so far, it goes so far. And then there's, you know, our games athletes and people that are high level are really pushing to be high level competitors. But there's this like no man's land, right? Where there's people that, or maybe like me, they've been doing it for a decade or they've been doing it for a long time and they want like a little bit more. But then all of a sudden, like their little bit more goes from, I'm just going to work out at the box to, oh, now I have to do what a games athlete's doing. It's like, no, you don't. You don't need to do that. You really don't. You could do it 
like you can do that workout in a little bit more if you want and still have it be really reasonable. And I think people, especially if your diet's tight, right? Yeah. I mean, all that stuff, diet, lifestyle. And I, I, I say this a lot to people that I work with or, you know, podcasts that I do is I think there are people that are begging to be told like, Hey, you don't have to try to be Matt Frazier. You don't have to try to be the best in the world. Like you can do this because you can do CrossFit because you love it. And that might mean that you do it more than 45 minutes or an hour a day, but like let your training serve you and not own you. I think there are a lot of people walking around kind of like zombies just that have forgotten why they're training so much. And it's like, let's do this right so that you can enjoy CrossFit for a lifetime and not burn out in the next five years and hate it. Because eventually people, one of two things is going to happen, I think, is either people do way too much way too soon and they get spit out because they either never, never reached the goal, never went to the games, or whatever that goal is. And they kind of get spit out. They're so burnt out on it that they just go into, and this is okay, like go into Olympic lifting or go into, I'm just going to go run marathons. You know what I mean? We've seen these stories. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay because maybe that's what they really are passionate about. But I also think some of those people like still genuinely want to love CrossFit, but they're just so burnt out on it. So it's like, let's find the middle ground. Like let's, let's let that serve you well. So I don't know. I think it'd be cool. It's incredibly profound. For people who do get burnout, a great, great recovery tool Go to your local affiliate and jump into a class. Yeah, or like one thing and I just encourage do people that to class. Do. It seems like every time I start, like it, when I when I was younger in, in my thirties and I was like pushing too hard. Now compared to like going down here and doing the classes yeah. here at CrossFit HQ, I never get burnt out in the class. I have my friends, I have my community, I have my camaraderie. I have like or go. One thing I encourage people to do is go play a sport. It's right. one of coaches' phrases in world class fitness in one hundred words. Like how many of us got into CrossFit? because we wanted to be better at whatever sport we started playing. And then we stopped playing that sport because we wanted to be so good at CrossFit. And then we've kind of lost our way. I mean, mm-hmm. like go buy a cheap mountain bike and just go try to ride. Like I say this all the time. I got a dirt bike and I love getting my butt kicked on that thing. It is so humbling and so awesome. And it makes me more fit. Love a motorcycle. So good. Chris, you say in the book that the cross, CrossFit and the CrossFit games are two to- different creatures, and I want to compliment you on this. I feel like that there are have been games athletes in the past who realize that. They come into CrossFit, they become CrossFit games athletes, and then when they look back, they almost want to poo-poo the games or talk down on the games. And you do it in a way that's not negative towards the games at all. But, but you also do it in a way that's like, hey, don't let the games ruin CrossFit for you. Don't let the games deter you from doing CrossFit. Don't let the games, you know, deter you from um, letting your fitness serve you. Serve you. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Oh, thanks. You handle it very well in the book. Um, one of your final thoughts in your book towards the very, very end is that there's more value in being transparent than a facade. What does that mean to you, to be transparent as opposed to a facade? I mean, 
at that point in the book, you know, that's kind of when things are closing up. And I think it's just uh, being real with people. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I couldn't hold on to that level of fitness anymore. And also just like letting people know that it's, you know, like it's really hard, you know, and you don't need to have all your crap figured out. I think it's, you know, you hear people talk about this. It's easy to see people on social media and it looks like they have all their crap together all the time. And, you know, it's easy to compare yourself to other people, but I think there's more value in us just being honest and real and having legit conversations, even though they can be tough sometimes, but and still respect one another. And I think that that's a big, you know, it's a big part of, I think the next step for every athlete is just be honest. You know what I mean? Like there are athletes walking around out there that are super banged up and that's okay. You know, but let other people know so that maybe they don't have to go down that road. Maybe they're not willing to pay that price. There are other athletes that, you know, have chosen to take a different route. But if we don't have that conversation, if you're I don't on think steroids, we're just tell everyone. Well, that's the other thing, though, too. Are you, like, have you taken steroids? No. Does it look like I've taken steroids? <laughs> <laughs> I hey. never got randomly tested for a reason. Hey, I had to take tests. Who am I to judge? Yeah, but that's the other thing. Things like that. It's like people ask those things, you know, like, do you think it's in CrossFit? Well, yes, it is in CrossFit. Why? How do you know? Well, because people get busted for it. But, you, but you've never seen anyone take it. I've never seen anyone take it, no. And you've never been in a conversation where um, you see athlete A and athlete B talking about where to get their steroids? No. You have no firsthand knowledge of any drugs. I don't. No. Yeah. No. None. Nope. Is there anything in the book that is too intimate? Um, I had Josh Bunch in here. Do you know him? Yeah. He wrote a very intimate Practice book. Practice CrossFit, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, his book is um, really lets you take a peek into his life. Is there anything in there that you're like, my, I, that, 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 I, I should have kept that to myself. That's that was too much. Nah, I don't think so. And I think partly because it's like uh, I think it's um, helping answer that question of partly like what people ask, like, hey, like, why do you decide to do that? What you know, kind of what made you the way that you are, and also too, just like a cool account for my kids. Well, uh, yeah. So how about the part in the book that talks about your cavalier lifestyle in college, um, out with women all night? Ooh. <laughs> hey, that part, yeah. that part, yeah, it's just the whole chapter that's based on. Oh, that. it's like a half a oh sentence about gosh. A girls sentence. in college. It's so I'm like so like oh this is the part I'm waiting for. Oh, this part's over. All right. <laughs> well, this is stopped. Oh, where did it go? Are you still friends with that guy, your roommate, who who Josh? you mentioned? You guys kept each um, other accountable. Yeah, Josh is awesome, man. He's uh yeah he's in the military, so I don't talk to him very often because he gets deployed often. But he uh he's one of those guys where when you catch up again, it's like just you pick up right where you left off. He's such a good dude. He's who, awesome. Who's fitter, Matt Fraser or Rich Froning in their oh, prime? Uh, in their prime, Matt Fraser. Just right off your tongue. Let's remember. No respect, yeah. Chris. That in 2014. A sick Rich Froning beat Matt Fraser. Oh, you're you're okay. you're you're. See, I respect her. <laughs> yeah. I respect her. We can have these conversations and be adults. How come Matt didn't write the forward for the book? Oh, then? let me tell you something, Andrea Cecil. If you push back too hard, she can <laughs> come over the table She'll and bite fuck you, you up. Yes. <laughs> Five thousand calories a day. It's legit. And still only weighing 147 soaking wet and at, shit. Yeah, at that time, I think I was 154, 152. Whew. Yeah. Big. Soft. Yeah. That's when I was soft. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's nuts. I, I when I visited you, we went to Whole Foods together. I couldn't believe how much you ate. This was in two thousand eight. You you would get these bowls of berries. Yeah. And I, it was they were insane. I this used was to, a Chris Mason program. Uh, this is when I started getting <laughs> on it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I would uh, get when I was on the road. I would get the the small tubs of like almond butter, that and a thing of fruit and a whole chocolate bar, and I just mix it all up and eat it. Oh man. Yeah. Gains. You can't get. Can you get fat? <laughs> yeah, I think I can, but you, not real easily. You think you could get up to one eighty? No. No, no, it's just not possible. No. It sounds like it would hurt. I mean, it, I, I could. I want to quit CrossFit and just started I mean, becoming a bodybuilder. I can't believe yeah. this podcast is really it would, on yeah. a low when I'm asking Chris Spieler to get to 180. It would be bad. You have a podcast. Yeah. Um, you have 77 episodes. I, I guess so. I did not know that. Wow. And uh, you've crossed over the 500,000 download mark. Yeah. And I don't know your co-host name. Doug Zacharias. He's on Seminar I don't give a shit who your co-host is. I was just telling you. I don't He's know. hilarious. He's hilarious. Um, well, thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. It. I it hope awesome. we. I've got two questions. Eric, <laughs> can you bring back up the podium shot? It'll be quick. Okay, let's do it. You wait till I have to take a piss. <laughs> so I'm waiting, I've been waiting for you to land the plane for like a half hour to ask this question. <laughs> two questions. Uh, One, do you still have the two hundred fifty dollars gift card? And two, <laughs> what did you spend said two hundred fifty dollars on? Oh, you mean that? Uh, actually, by the way, we're looking at a picture for those of you yeah. who are at home of thank Chris Miller so standing Look at on how the podium. Young rich looks. I know. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, um, Graham too. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have the gift card anymore. In fact, I don't think I took that home. I think I handed that back to them immediately after that. Mm, okay. Uh, I still have a like raincoat type thing that uh, from because this was from Under Armour then. Um, oh yeah. Oh, it's not have, even cash. Uh, no, it was a gift card. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to buy things under armor. And I think I have a, still have a couple pairs of their underwear and like a, like a raincoat from them. Wow, that's, underwear. That's impressive. I know, right? Chris, you'll come back? Oh, heck yeah. So I've ended I the show and started the show with lines I've never used before. I appreciate have I said that before? Will, will you back? come back? Yeah, like I wanted to come back. I got a lot of notes. I didn't read that book for fucking one show. Yeah, you're usually a, you're usually a bit more demanding. It's not as. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. <laughs> I'm 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 floored that he actually read the whole thing. I, 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 I'm that this might be the ultimate compliment. Like we held Savon's attention for all 13 chapters. So. I don't know. Hey. I, I don't know if I buy it. You, you think you just up. read the first four pages <laughs> no, of every yeah. chapter? Look at. Uh, and, and in page 103, look at my look son at came over. You can see on my Instagram. <laughs> By the way, you yes. missed this part, Matt. This was this was my proof copy, meaning it was the first physical manifestation oh. I ever received of the book. He asked to borrow <laughs> it. I was great. like, sure. And then the other night, he's like, I took notes. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you're writing in my book? <laughs> that's yeah. your book now. I might still and have That's when she over the table punched you. Chris, did you have fun? No. Yeah. Tell us how great 100%. we are. You guys are great. Honestly, awesome. I, I thought we had the most uh, uh, episodes for a CrossFit podcast or fitness flavored podcast He's doing, out there. you're doing one a week consistently yeah we yeah we do you one are a week. consistent what do we at eric so we so what's Four, funny six. is we talked to uh i don't know if you know um this guy would be a cool guy to have on his name's um brian call he does the gritty bowman he does and the what it's a podcast called the gritty bowman and it's okay. geared toward hunters he's like killing it i think like a million downloads per episode and oh, yeah. that, he told me it. he's like one of the reasons like when i started doing the podcast he's like hey you should just consistency is huge. He said, even if it's the same person, if you find a good like co-host or someone to talk to, it can help a ton. The gritty Bowman, <laughs> and he does CrossFit. You got to find a good co-host. Yeah. Someone. He does. Uh, he I'm, does I'm a staple. So. Yeah, he's really. You're a stand-in until we find a co-host. Eric, land the plane. <laughs> Thanks, man.